This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. All right, my low lifers, got an ad moment for you, a 2021 ad. So it's so important for us to put ourselves first sometimes. And I'm not only talking about our physical health, but in today's episode, I'm going into mental health. It's crucial. 2020 was a freaking roller coaster ride, and the roller coaster is not over yet, my friends, because we're still in a pandemic. And I've definitely had some ups and downs over the last nine months, which is why I'm really grateful to have BetterHelp as a sponsor. They are a great resource to deal with stress, anxiety, depression, and just navigating life during difficult times. Family conflicts, self-esteem issues, relationship traumas. Millions of people are trying to handle these things on their own, but you don't need to. It's nice to have a little help sometimes. So I love that it's private and confidential. It's affordable counseling with an actual licensed professional therapist. And I'm such an advocate for counseling and therapy, and it significantly changed my life. So if you're interested to make some changes to yours, better your happiness, and just take care of yourself in the new year, I want you to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com slash low. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash low. It's a great service. You're going to love it. Get some mental help health. All right, welcome to a new episode of The Low Show. I'm your host, Low Von Room, and it feels so good to be back with you guys. Man, happy 2021. A new day has come. Hit it, Celine. Canadian Queen Celine Dion is going to get us through 2021. And I'm happy to be back, but I definitely needed a little bit of a break. And I got to just turn off mentally with work and anything related to being productive. And I just got to enjoy the holidays. And this year, I'm embarrassed to say this is the first time in probably the last decade where I actually felt completely present and in the moment when it came to the holidays. I really got to enjoy like the tamale making with my mama. I was there. I was definitely present. I was working my ass off. And I mean, oh, for all of you asking for her recipe, I'm sorry to say it ain't going to happen. That recipe, she keeps it a secret. Well, I'll probably end up releasing the recipe. <laughs> I'll probably end up. I've had so many people ask me for it. And my mom keeps it under lock and key for many a generations. But I'm the next one in line to carry that recipe and, you know, do the whole tamale situation. So I always tell my mom, like, let's share the recipe or let's go into a tamale business or something. But it's an act of love. And it's just a Christmas type thing that she wants to do. She doesn't want to go into business. And I've had no such luck in convincing her to release the recipe or go into business uh, for a tamale company. But anyway, I got to be present for the tamale night. I got to be very present for doing the tree. And and this year we didn't do gifts. Wasn't a big thing. It's really never a big thing in our house. But I do like going to the mall and, and seeing all the Christmas deco. And I love wrapping gifts. And it's one of my favorite things at the holiday season. But that didn't happen this year. We ended up just getting each other like little essential item type stuff. I got my mom like her favorite skin cream and some headphones and stuff like that, but nothing major. This holiday was centered around just quality family time. We played games. We listened to music. 
I danced. I ate way too much. And this episode, I'm going to cover a few different things. I want to talk about some mistakes I've made in 2020, some lessons I've learned, little epiphanies I've had. I also want to get into a few shows I've been obsessed with. And because I was able to be a little sloth over the holiday break, I got to binge watch some incredible shows and some not so great shows, too. We're going to cover it all. I'm going to do a little low down review segment on The Low Show today for you guys. We're going to talk about The Queen's Gambit. I had so many of the low lifers saying, low, you got to check out The Queen's Gambit. It's so freaking good. So we're going to review that one. Also, the Selena series on Netflix, reviewing that as well. An Axiom sex cult situation. We're going to go into that. We're going to just have a, a sweet little episode. I originally thought going into the new year, I should have a guest. And I slept on it. I woke up and realized I'm just going to do a solo mission on this one. I remember my first episode of The Low Show. It was just me talking for 45 minutes to an hour. And you guys seem to like that. <laughs> so I was very vulnerable and felt like, is this going to be good? Will people like it? And I was pleasantly surprised to get some great feedback. So I thought, let's start out the new year, just you and I, you know, the low lifers and myself. And we're just going to go into the episode and do a, a little review on some favorite shows. And I could just catch you guys up on everything that's been going on in my life, you know, in, in the new year and ending out 2020 as well. One thing that felt really good to do this year, I don't know if you've tried this, but turning off the news, I'm usually always watching the news or just catching up on what the hell's going on in this political shitstorm. I'm either watching, you know, the CNNs, Fox, NBC. I watch it all, by the way. I don't care the political affiliation. I like to hear both sides. So I'm constantly going between channels and my news feed's always, you know, being blown up and I read Politico magazine, The Economist, The New York Times. I'm always wanting to just stay informed. But during the break and up till now, I haven't been catching up with the news and it just feels so good. I don't give a shit about Trump. I don't give a shit about Biden. Kamala Harris, vice presidency. I'm excited for you, Queen, but I don't want to hear about it now. I just want to enjoy not hearing about the news, not being up to date on politics. I needed a little mental break from it. It's quite exhausting to, to hear about it all the time. When I stopped listening to the news and, I don't know, just focused on my family and being a sloth for the holidays, I really felt mentally a lot better. And it was kind of nice. So I think I'm going to make this a, a regular occurrence. I'm going to do a week on or two weeks off or, you know, when it comes to what I'm being informed on, just going to be very mindful, which brings me to a few different things I've learned through this whole pandemic. And I don't need to go into all that 2020 was. We all know it was a shit show. We get that. It's <laughs> We're all happy it's over. We don't need to rehash the past. There was a specific quote that really stood out to me, and it really wrapped up this pandemic shitty Sunday with anxiety sprinkles on top, just wrapped it up perfectly, summed up this pandemic for me. It's from Sonia Renee Taylor. She's an amazing author, and she shared this on her Instagram, and I loved it. So I ended up reposting it. And then I also have printed it out and it's on the mirror in my bedroom. It's a great quote and it really just sums up the year for me. And it just really puts things into perspective in a profound way for me. So I'll share the quote with you. I'm sure you're going to love it. Here we go. In Sonia Renee Taylor's words, she says, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was never normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, Exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, 
hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. I freaking love that. And it really helps me because a few times during this little pandemic journey that we've all been on together, I really longed for a time when I can go to the movie theater and when things felt normal. I miss those times when I could travel freely, when I could go and visit my friends without having to be paranoid if I'm going to get coronavirus or be sick. You know, I, I miss seeing family and the holidays. Everything felt different this year. And I would long for the past, pre-COVID days. But now that I've really reflected, learned some valuable lessons, made some mistakes, I'm trimming the fat in the sense of toxic friends, friends that were, you know, more on the shallow base side. There wasn't real roots there of a foundation of a friendship. I focused on family. Work has been a new perspective on my career, on who I am. The movie Soul, the Disney Pixar film, that really helped me too. I loved that film. If you haven't had a chance to see it, wow, that was such a beautiful film to end the year on. One, it was nice to see people of color represented in a Disney Pixar film, and they weren't in these idealistic body types or anything. Sometimes, you know, they'll make them like in the little Disney princess, perfect body shape and whatever. This looked like real actual people. And there were Asians and Hispanics and different races represented in the movie. And it was a beautiful message. I think the message of the Disney Pixar film Soul was actually a lot bigger and harder to grasp for for children, but it was great for adults. But I watched it with my little nephew and he was just like, this is fun. You know, he didn't realize that there's like a deeper meaning on on really focusing on what's important in life. And anyway, if you haven't seen it, check that out. It's a great film. But that's one lesson I've learned. I have to be present. Another lesson I've learned during this pandemic is this is our new normal. And I'm learning that I have to be a planner and I have to just go with the times. And I think that's I got a plan for my success and I've always been a planner, but now I know this is when you're in it to win it. Planning is crucial, financially planning, planning for my future, planning with my clients. What does the future hold for me? What does the world of styling look like for a stylist during a global pandemic going into the new year? You know, I'm going to have to make some changes, but some great ones. And I have really loyal clients. I've had some shitty ones. But luckily, uh, I've been in the business so long now that the ones I do have, I, I genuinely love working with. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. 
I'm all about leveling up with my lowlifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style, and I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash lowlife. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. And they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discreet packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies, 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. One thing specifically I've been working on is really taking care of myself. And we all talk about self-care and that's a really common phrase that's thrown out there, but, but I wasn't doing it. Mentally and physically, putting yourself first is so important. If you have children, it's difficult, but you still have to find a way to do it. You know, if you're throwing yourself into a career and you're working your ass off and, you know, and you still got to find time to put yourself first. And that's something that when the dust settles, I've really seen the light in that sense of I got to take care of my mind, my body. And that means eating right. That means getting sleep, focusing on exercising. I don't like to exercise. I actually, some people are all about it. I hate it, but I love it after. And I love the, the effects that it has on my body. The serotonin and the dopamine release is really nice. So I know it's good for me. So eating right as well, that's really important to do and eating clean and, and giving my body water. And, you know, like it, I love wine and I lo I'm not going to do a dry January. I'm going to be drinking, but but I'm going to get my water intake in, you know, so little things like that. I realize I made excuses for myself because I always put work first or other people first, but it was just a way to neglect myself and not take care of home base. But I'm not going to be 
an asset to my clients and be helpful to them. And I'm not going to be a good friend or I'm not going to be a good son, a family member, a good husband one day if I'm not focused on me, home base. Got to take care of that. So that's something I've really been working on. It feels good to do it. Feels really nice to, to just bunker down. At the same time, though, during this holiday break, I was a complete sloth doing the absolute bare minimum. That's probably why right after Christmas, I went into a little bit of a depressed few days, probably because I was just sleeping, binge watching shows, eating like shit. And I loved it, though. Another lesson I've learned is I've been so hard on myself. I've always been my own worst critic. I'm so hard on myself. And my mom always says, you got to stop being so difficult on yourself. Some of the things I say to myself, the way I criticize myself, when I look in the mirror, how hard I could be on myself, I would never utter those words to another human being, not a stranger, not a friend. And if I wouldn't even say some of the things I would say to myself to a stranger on the street or my worst enemy, why the hell am I going to say it to myself? How is my body going to perform and succeed and do well if I'm talking shit to it all the time? And I had to really check myself and say, you know what? No. Like, so when I was eating unhealthy, in which I totally enjoyed just chowing down on tamales and pastries and candies and chips and just, oh, it was awesome in the moment. But the aftermath, you don't feel good after eating like shit, you know? You know, you put on a couple pounds, holiday weight, and it, you, you start to, well, at least I do, I start to get a little depressed and feel like, what the hell? And I beat myself up a little bit about it. And I'm used to getting like my 10,000 steps a day. I wear my Fitbit religiously. I took that fucking Fitbit off and I was like, there are no steps to be taken during this holiday break <laughs> except to the fridge and maybe to the bathroom. That was it for me. <laughs> so one thing I realized besides talking more positively to myself is I learned a lesson from a client and she told me, you know, she has always kept herself in great physical shape and works out religiously. And, and she had some really scary health problems that happened. And she had to take this medication and it made her put on weight. But this medication was required for her to live. If she did not take the medication, she would not live it because she had a, uh, an organ transplant. So it was very crucial, but it made her very bloated. And she put on about 25 pounds because of this medication. And there were different variations of the medication, different brands, but they all have that side effect. You're going to put on bloat, weight, you're, you know, it just happens. And she said at first she really struggled with the fact that she was gaining weight. She didn't feel good about herself. And she was being really hard on herself and just beating herself up and, you know, and, and then she would try and work out even harder. And, and it was out of her control, essentially. And what she told me was a real eye-opening perspective for me. And she said, you know, I looked in the mirror and my mom actually does the same thing. And I, I love that both these women shared this in different ways with me. But this client tells me, I look in the mirror and I had put on weight in my stomach area and I was just bloated and I just felt like I looked pregnant and I was very self-conscious and my clothing had to change. And I just, it was just like a new version of myself. And instead of beating myself up, I started to look in the mirror and thank my body. Every day I would pick a different thing to thank, whether it be my legs and she was even the fat on my tummy, I would thank it and say, it's like armor. And I gained this weight. This is what she's saying. I gained the weight because of a medication. And it was maybe a way to protect my body. 
I'm thankful that I have this armor and eventually I won't need this armor anymore. But right now I'm thankful for it because my body is healing and I'm taking care of my organs. And if that means I have to put on a little weight, I'm going to be thankful for it. You know, I'm going to be thankful for any flaws that I have. And I love that. And my mom is very similar in that way. She just appreciates her body for working so hard to get her to the finish line. And my mom was going through a really tough uh, bout of depression when she lost a family member. I can't wait to bring my mama back, by the way. My shy queen. <laughs> she, she's so shy. But I, I love having her on the podcast. But when she experienced some major loss, and we're going to do an episode just on loss because I feel like she is, she's the professional griever because she's just really experienced a lot of pain and loss. But anyway, she put on some weight, but she, she thanked her body for it. And she said, you know what? This got me through a really dark time. And I'm not going to punish myself for it. I'm going to be thankful. And I'm thankful that I could even lose the weight if I want to. And that is such a beautiful outlook on things. So when I look in the mirror now, and I'm like, damn, I ate like shit for about two weeks. And I put on a little bit of weight. A little water retention. I was putting tahine on everything and just, I was just thriving as a sloth. And for me, by the way, there's no in between for me. I'm either disciplined and I eat my little, you know, healthy items and I'm shopping at Whole Foods, which costs way too much money, but I'm drinking my water and I'm getting my steps in and I'm, I'm very disciplined when I need to be. But I'm such an extremist personality that I'm either Lance Armstrong, Tour de France, living that disciplined life or I'm honey boo boo, mama June, eating like shit and hitting rock bottom. The world of a balancing act does not really exist for me, but I'm working on it. A work in progress, you know? But I looked in the mirror and I was like, damn it, I was doing so great and eating healthy. And then I just went to shit over the holidays. What the hell? And I was beating myself up about it. And I looked in the mirror and I just said, you know what? I'm thankful that I got to enjoy life with my family and I got to relax and take care of my mind and eat what I wanted, even if it wasn't the best, most nourishing food. You know what? That's okay because I'm so grateful that my body can eat that stuff and I still have the ability to work out. I can still run if I want to. There's a lot of people who can't do that. I can go take a nice walk. I can choose to eat something healthy. Some people have really strict diets and they can't eat a lot of different things, you know? I'm very thankful that I have the ability to to even be active. And if I put on a few little holiday pounds, I could shed them. and I have the ability to do that. And I should be grateful. So I'm working on that. I'm saying thank you to my body. Thank you for, for getting me to this point. Health is definitely at the forefront for everybody this year. And it's so important for us to take care of ourselves. And I mean, this global pandemic really puts the idea of health and, and taking care of your body in perspective. And with the whole COVID-19 thing, I remember when this first went down, the pandemic, I was hearing about people being affected with coronavirus. And of course, the numbers are reported in the news. And it's scary. You know, they're reporting thousands of people, now millions affected with coronavirus. But I only had people that were, you know, three removed from me, five removed. It was, you know, a friend of a friend's cousin or my colleague's sister's boyfriend, like that sort of thing. It wasn't really hitting home for me yet. Didn't mean I was taking it lightly. I just didn't feel personally affected by it in any way. But now it has personally affected me. I'm having some of my best friends and family members that are dealing with coronavirus and they're sick and they're not doing so great. 
and it's scary. But you don't know how it's going to affect you, though. That's the thing that's wild. So for like Caitlin and Jason, I was shook when I found out they had coronavirus. I was so bummed and worried about them. They're in Nashville and they've been so disciplined when they were here in Los Angeles. I mean, we were together for, you know, over three months and it was such strict guidelines, you know, because Caitlin was doing Dancing with the Stars. So, you know, every precaution was taken and I mean, they were technically here in the epicenter of where coronavirus is happening. The numbers were spiking heavily when they were here and they didn't get it just because, you know, they were very on top of it. And I mean, literally, like we joke about the sky cage, but it really did feel like a cage that we couldn't leave. So when they go to Nashville and get sick and I know that Caitlin is in the best health. And I mean, because I was with them so much, I know they have very healthy diet. Jason works out all the time. He's in great shape. So is Caitlin. She just came off of winning Dancing with the Stars mirror ball. You know, she looks great. Her body is in the best physical shape it's ever been in, you know, and them getting sick. They felt it. They definitely were going through it. Jason had a freaking swollen groin and, and the fever and the night sweats and Caitlin's losing her taste and her smell. And I have a, a girlfriend of mine, another girlfriend of mine who was losing chunks of hair and feeling like complete shit. And then another buddy of mine who I'm very close with, and he wasn't feeling many symptoms at all, except he hasn't been able to taste or smell anything for three months. So you don't know how this virus is going to affect you until it does. And it doesn't matter if you're in tip top shape or you're super healthy. You really don't know until it hits you. And that's the reason why, one, I'm being very cautious and, and on top of it. But two, it just it really was a wake up call because I saw people that I'm very close with, you know, having to deal with it. And, and it, it's a scary thing. And thank God Jason and Caitlin are feeling better now. And it looks like they're on the upside of things, you know, at the, the end of, of COVID. And they're going to feel much better. They already are. But it's still scary. And long term effects wise, this is such a new illness virus, you know, that 10 years from now, they don't know what side effects or health concerns can come up because of it or, you know, when it comes to your lungs and things like that. So it still is scary, but I'm just glad that they're okay. And, and no one had a, a turn for the worse. None of my family did, but, but they definitely felt like shit. That sucks. You know, Jason with the freaking swollen groin walking around with a cane and that's how he spent Christmas and New Year's. That sucks. So health is so important. And again, this year, it really just made me realize how important it is to just take care of yourself. No matter what, you really have to focus on your temple, on your body and being thankful for it. Which is crazy to me that, you know, when I go to Orange County, there are so many, it's a very conservative area. Orange County is about an hour away from Los Angeles. So it's not a far drive for me. And that's where my parents are. So I drive to Orange County and I never thought it was a very conservative place to live growing up there. I mean, it's so many artists and it's a melting pot of cultures, but at the roots of the OC, it's more conservative Republican, specifically in like the beach cities like the Newport Beach, Laguna. It's a lot of white people and uh, Republican conservatives. But anyway, I don't care what your political affiliation is. I love everybody. I got a lot of Republican family members and I've talked about this before. Whatever your views are, good for you. You know, like I got bigger fish to fry. I'm over here worrying about what I'm eating and I just want to watch the Queen's Gambit. Don't care who you voted for. But anyway, I was wearing my mask and I was at Starbucks and someone yelled out to me, you sheep, you freaking sheep for wearing a mask. 
some dude in a car just yells that out to me. <laughs> and by the way, a lot of people weren't wearing a mask where I was at, which was so weird to me. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to wear a mask. I don't know why you're against it or you think it's stupid. And a lot of the times it's because there's a narrative that's being pushed that the coronavirus is actually more of like a flu and it's not as dangerous as people make it to be, the, the media. And they're, you know, a lot of networks, Fox in particular, they, they say that, you know, the liberal media is fear mongering and, you know, it's it's not a big deal. You shouldn't have to wear a mask and it's your right to do what you want. And if that's your belief, that's fine. But here's my idea about the whole wearing a mask situation, which is wild to me that people are still having such issue with it. Let's just say it's true what you believe. If you're one of those people who think this is just a made up virus or it's really not as bad as people say, it's just like the flu. Everyone gets over it. There's not really all these deaths. It's all make believe. We're all a bunch of fucking sheep. Let's just say that narrative is true. That's fine. But for me, I look at it like for probability's sake, I rather just err on the side of caution. Because if it is true and we all are just sheep or whatever, then the worst thing that I could say happened was I had to wear a mask and I got some masked knee and that sucked. So I'm like, I'm willing to take that chance. I'd just rather play it safe than sorry. On the other end, if it is true that you could get sick and potentially get very ill or die, then I'd rather err on the side of caution. But anyway, I don't want to make this a whole issue about wearing a freaking mask. I don't care that much. I'll do what I do for me. And for me, social distancing and taking proper precautions. And I've now had people affected by it that are close to me. And I, I don't want to have to go through that as well. And I feel bad for what they've had to endure. I don't want to have to deal with that shit. I already have enough on my plate. So anyway, it was really nice to be in Orange County with my family. I cooked up a storm. I made some delicious pastries and stuff. And I binge watched some incredible shows. So without further ado, I want to get into a little segment we like to call The Lowdown. All right, so it's time for The Lowdown. We're going to go into first show, The Queen's Gambit. Oh my God, you guys recommended that show to me. So many of the lowlifers are messaging me saying, you gotta see it. I have friends and family that love the show too. And I'm a little skeptical when I hear so much hype because I heard that much hype for Game of Thrones and sorry, unpopular opinion. I didn't love Game of Thrones. It just wasn't for me, but people love the show. I mean, Game of Thrones is like one of the most successful shows that ever was, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. I like Khaleesi. I try to get into it. Khaleesi, she's cool. Dragons, I'm into that too. But again, the show just, it didn't do it for me. So I, I was again skeptical to watch The Queen's Gambit because I'm like, is this going to be another Game of Thrones where everyone's obsessed, but the show really sucks? Or I think it's boring and it, I lose interest because I have the attention span of a squirrel. Nope, it's incredible. And I'm going to give this show a solid 10 out of 10 rating. Actually, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I'm going to dock at one point because I just wish it wasn't over. <laughs> That's it. It's the only criticism I've had for it. But I'm not into chess. And I thought, okay, this is a show about a chess player. It's so much more than that, though. It's a coming of age story. This little girl, I'm not going to give away any of the plot points. So don't worry about that. If you haven't seen it yet, I hope you get a chance to watch it. You will enjoy it. It's seven episodes. But each episode feels like a film to me. So it was you know, each episode's about an hour. And it felt like you were just watching a really good movie the entire time. The way it's shot is beautiful. 
You can tell they had great budget for it. If you're into great costuming, that's, well, me being a fashion stylist, I'm always down for a great costuming situation. And in this show, it reminded me so much of one of my other favorite shows, Mad Men. If you ever saw that with uh, John Hamm, uh, a snack of a man, and Kieran and Shipka, love her as an actress too. She's Sabrina in the new Sabrina series on Netflix. But anyway, the costuming, which was done by Janie Bryant in... In Mad Men, she did a phenomenal job because it was all period pieces, 1960s. And I love a 1950s and a 1960s silhouette, specifically with women's attire. I love the dresses with the little belts, high-waisted belts, button-up shirts, full skirts, cute little penny loafers, cardigans. Uh, I love, like, that's why I watch I Love Lucy or Bewitched, just because I love the fashion of the 60s. I just think it's so good, so chic. I wish people could dress like that to this day. It will come back. That style will return. I guarantee you. Everything is cyclical. If like bell bottoms and everything 70s style and disco dresses can make a comeback, I have no doubt in my mind. A 1950s silhouette is on its return. I'm even seeing in like 2021 collections of designers, like men's style of guys wearing high-waisted trousers. That was such a thing in the 40s and 50s. And it's definitely making a comeback. I'm seeing guys loving that style of, you know, tucking in the shirt and wearing the high trouser. And it's cute. It's like a little Ricky Ricardo situation. But anyway, watching The Queen's Gambit, the costuming is beautiful. The script was so well written. It's a beautiful story. And I feel like no matter who you are, you're going to get something from it. If you're into the visuals, you're going to be stimulated because it's a, the picture is the way they shot it is so well done. The plot, it keeps you engaged. And it's not a like, a very exciting show. I wouldn't say that, but it's smart. And the way it's written and the performances are are spot on. Great. And I wish it was a true story because it's such a good story that's told. And there's so much depth to each character, specifically the main character. I'm not even familiar with that actress, but damn, she did a good job. And you see her evolution from a little girl to a grown woman who becomes this master chess player I'm more of a Scrabble bitch myself. I love catchphrase, but you know, after watching it, I want to start popping tranquilizers and having visions of a chessboard on my ceiling. That's what I want, just like she had. But this little girl becomes this master chess player, and it's the journey to becoming that. And she's this prodigy. She's super intelligent. The game of chess is so strategic. And it's, I didn't even realize chess was so mainstream. I didn't know it's like a, a world sport a spectator type thing where, you know, people compete all over the world. I, I didn't know that was a thing, but yeah, it is. And it's actually very fascinating. And the show, there's a lot of moments in it where you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? So anyway, The Queen's Gambit is a fantastic show. If you get the opportunity to watch it, check it out. The soundtrack, I'm such a sucker for a good soundtrack. And you got the Stones, the Ronettes, some really good music from the genre. The soundtrack's awesome. So again, I think there's something in it for everybody. My mom enjoyed the show. I enjoyed it. And my mom loves, like, I don't know, like, So You Think You Can Dance. My mom likes, like, watching The Masked Singer. And she even enjoyed this show. So and my dad loved it, too. And my dad likes watching The Andy Griffith Show. So I'm just saying, no matter what you're into watching, I think you'll find something you're into for this show. The next one I want to watch is, it's called, I think, Bridgerton. It's a period piece in the 1800s, which usually doesn't pique my interest, but People are going on and on about how fantastic this show is. So that's another one I want to watch. So anyway, 
Queen's Gambit, boom. It is low approved, 10 out of 10. Give it a watch. We're going to go into the next show right now, the Selena series on Netflix. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We got a little ad, a 2021 ad for you. All right, I used to love me a good cigarette moment, and I quit cold turkey 10 years ago just because I cared too much about my vanity and I didn't want to waste all the money I'd spent on Botox. But I know how hard it is to kick the cigarette habit, and it's not easy. I got a lot of friends that still smoke, and I know they struggle with it. And it's 2021, and it's time to put yourself first. So this is a smart option for you or a loved one who's ready to kick the habit, especially if you're into vaping or having a little dip, enjoying a ciggy. If you're ready to make a change, Lucy Nicotine Gum is the way to go. They have lozenges too. The company was founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. That's why I'm definitely happy that they're coming on as a sponsor again, because it's a great product. It has four milligrams of nicotine. It comes in three delicious flavors. They got wintergreen, cinnamon, that's my fave, and pomegranate, and they make it easy breezy. You don't need to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down for you. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month, so it's easy breezy. And the Low Show listeners, you're going to get a discount. You go to lucy.co and use the promo code LOWSHOW to get 20% off all products, including the gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use the promo code LOWSHOW at checkout. Also, I have to give this little disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Ain't that the damn truth? So visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code LOWSHOW at checkout. That's lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code LOWSHOW at checkout. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid delivered right to your door. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers. Kids love it, and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high-quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right, the quality is unmatched. I love it, my kids love it, the grandparents love it, and I know all you lowlifers will love it too. A huge win-win-win for my family, and it can also be for yours. Simplify your kiddo's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. 
All right, let's get into the next thing I was obsessed with over the holiday break. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a good sex cult documentary. <laughs> God, I'm sick. God, it was so good, though. Man, there are two different ones that I watched. So there's The Vow on Netflix and then also Seduced, and that's on Stars. Both are great, but I definitely preferred Seduced on Stars. So that's a four-part series, and I like that Seduced focused on one person's story, and it was her personal insane experience from start to finish. My name is India. I was in a cult for seven years. Keith Raniere is the most horrific cult leader. I had to ask permission to eat. He was doing demeaning sexual acts. It kept getting more extreme. The cruelty, it's beyond the pale. We don't know how many victims there could be. What blew my mind about the entire Nexium thing was usually when I watch a documentary about a cult or a serial killer, I'm learning about someone or something that happened years ago in the 80s or 90s or, you know, it's, it's definitely a moment of the past. But this one, it's even more interesting to me because this shit's happening now. It's a current event, you know, like there are still thousands of members who belong to Nexium, And the guy who started this whole thing, Keith Rainier, uh, we'll get into him, but he just got sentenced to 120 years in prison just a few months ago. This was in October. And there's still so many people involved in Nexium that haven't even been sentenced yet. Things are at a pause right now because the courts are backed up because of the pandemic. But not only is this a crazy, fascinating story, but, you know, more is going to be unfolding in the next upcoming months. It's just going to keep getting juicier. All right. So let me explain to you what Nexium is. If you have no idea. All right. So we'll start off with the guy, Keith Rainier, right? He was a failed business owner, didn't come for money, wasn't successful, not good looking, not even intelligent. Keith is a pathological liar, a narcissistic, sociopathic monster who actually hates women. He's basically a complete piece of shit. And as we already know, with most sociopaths and narcissists, they can actually be charming, well-spoken and charismatic. But that's actually just a way to con and manipulate people to get what they want. So let's take it back to the 90s. A broke Keith Rainier, he capitalized on the fad of multi-level marketing. I mean, that was so popular back then. I remember having ants that were selling like Mary Kay cosmetics and it was the age of like Herbalife and uh, Amway and all of these different pyramid scheme companies and they were thriving back then. And at the same time, Scientology was definitely in its prime. You had like Tom Cruise and John Travolta. They were at the top of the Hollywood food chain. I mean, box office royalty back then and they attributed all of their success to Scientology. So Keith, he took a lot of the ideas and principles from these cult organizations like Scientology and Heaven's Gate. That was another cult. And he paired those ideas with the classic principles of a pyramid scheme. And that's how he was able to con hundreds of thousands of people into buying into the idea of becoming successful through Nexium, which essentially was just uh, executive success programs. That's what he wanted it to be known as. That, I think that was the original name of it, the executive success program. Uh, but then it would change to Nexium. All right. So now Keith, he couldn't do it alone, right? He needed, he needed some help. And that's where Nancy Salzman comes in, the brains of the operation. So she was a nurse who, of course, specialized in hypnosis. She was a very skilled hypnotist, total psycho. But she's friends and was obsessed with Keith and decided to launch Nexium with him. The American dream, huh? Entrepreneurship at its finest. God weirdos. All right. So unlocking your full potential and becoming successful and getting spiritual enlightenment. It was all a facade. It was all bullshit because at the root of Nexium, Keith and Nancy's ultimate goal was to get rich and then mentally break down men and women 
break them down in such a way that they would become completely submissive and fully brainwashed. There were programs that claimed to be ways to enlighten and empower women, but what they were actually doing was the opposite. They would attach electrodes to someone's head and make them watch these grotesque, grossome videos of beheadings and the the most violent shit that no one should ever have to see. And the whole intention behind it was to make them numb, numb to violence, to normalize abuse, to normalize the violence. And, And again, it's all part of the grooming process. Like if a man wanted to rape a woman or sleep with someone else's wife, have an open relationship or have sex with a minor, that was all completely acceptable in Nexium. Women were treated like dogs. Men would be dominant. It was like men were essentially the owners of women. I mean, we're talking like slavery vibes, but you didn't realize that was the ultimate goal of Nexium until you were way too far down the rabbit hole. And sometimes that took months up to years of a grooming process to get you broken down to that point where that seemed normal to you. And there were people, of course, throughout Nexium that were like, mm, uh, excuse me, I don't know if I'm cool with the whole rape idea. Uh, not for me. If you challenged or had objections to any of these insane concepts, they'd make you do these EM sessions, which were exploration of meaning, which is basically just a fancy way of one-on-one counseling with a hypnotist. And they would break down your wall. If you had any wall up in objection to the things that they were trying to teach you, they would just convince you that you were completely wrong. You were holding on to some baggage, like the idea of rape. They're like, it's just a word. Like, if, if you don't say it's rape, then, you know, why can't you just, you know, go with the flow? Let your spirit get raped. It's so nuts. But again, these people were doing EM sessions repeatedly. If you're a member of Nexium, you could be doing up to two, three EM sessions a day, and they all cost money. Again, so much money rolling into this organization. The embarrassing thing about Nexium for the members of it, there are thousands of them. There are different chapters all over the world, but the sex cult part is actually strictly in Albany, New York, and it was a secret society within the Nexium organization. So there were hundreds involved in that part, in the sex slavery, but the thousands of members all across the world and all the different chapters, they didn't know that was going on. And unfortunately for them, they've been labeled with that whole sex cult thing, like, oh, you're part of the sex slavery cult, but they didn't even know it was necessarily happening. That was ultimately going to be their future if they continued as members, I'm sure. But needless to say, they were just as surprised as all of us are learning about it for the first time. So Keith had the idea. Nancy Salzman was ready to do some serious grooming and brainwashing. And she knew all the techniques to do that uh, for the members because she's a hypnotist. So now all they needed was the money, right? Okay, so how are they going to financially back this insane cult idea and get people to join? All right, that's where the Bronfman bitches come in. These dumbass sisters. All right. They're heiresses to the Seagram liquor throne. Billionaires, filthy rich, uncomfortably rich. So they were friends with Keith and Nancy and they believed all of his lies. They were definitely drinking the Keith Kool-Aid. I mean, they still are today. It's funny because everyone in Nexium believed that Keith Rainier was brilliant, a brilliant mind. And he did do a great job of controlling the narrative, controlling the perception of him, escalating these lies into It was like the man, the myth, the legend, this godly figure. I mean, he claimed to be a world-renowned concert pianist who graduated magna cum laude, valedictorian, top of his class. He claimed that he held the record for the highest IQ in the Guinness World Book of Records. I mean, 
The guy knew how to lie his ass off to convince people of certain things. He knew how to captivate an audience. He knew how to prey on vulnerability. And this was all under the guise of being this brilliant business mind with a deep spiritual understanding of the world. Even in regards to him being uh, sexual, it was well known within Nexium that, that Keith was not sexual. He was like a monk, asexual. He was just a, a spiritual being. And that was just a way to disarm the members so that if he ever did get physical, uh, they would probably allow it to happen because they looked at it like, oh, one of the members said, like, as he was touching me and groping me, and that was part of like the therapy session, she looked at it like, well, he, he can't be enjoying this because he's a monk. He, he's, it's actually being done to help me. I mean, again, super brainwashed, but they believed it was through him and joining Nexium and spending thousands of dollars that members could unlock their full potential and be happy. The Nexium members believe that the closest thing they're going to get to God is Keith Rainier. They all referred to him as the Vanguard. It wasn't a program that welcomed everybody. Oh, no, no. They had a very specific target audience of people they wanted to be part of this. And they wanted people who came from money, affluence, wealth. They wanted people who are very well connected, especially like in entertainment or the political world. They wanted attractive young women who are thin. And of course, if you come from money, that's like you're perfect for Nexium. It definitely attracted the elite, powerful, and just super well-connected people. And these Nexium chapters were all over the world, Asia, Canada, Mexico, España. And it all started in a shitty rundown office in Albany, New York, which actually ended up being the mothership for Nexium. And it, it grew from that little shitty office into this huge compound in Albany where they would host these massive retreats and people would fly in from all different chapters from all around the world just to celebrate Keith Rainier as the vanguard. It was basically a summer camp cult with a side of sex slavery that people were going to every year. Back to the Bronfman bitches, these sisters, they paid $2 million to get the Dalai Lama to show up to a Nexium event just so they could get a picture of Keith and the Dalai Lama together. They were very instrumental in the success of Nexium. I mean, they paid politicians, world leaders uh, to make these appearances at their events, to speak at events and go to luncheons. And, and they would get these images and videos and they'd use that as promotional content to lure people into to Nexium, to grow it. And I mean, it worked. Before I started even watching the documentary, I remember thinking like, how the hell does someone get involved in a sex cult? Like, are you that easily manipulated to get brainwashed? You know, like I would never allow someone to brand me with their initials like on my body, like I'm a horse or a freaking cow. Like he did that to women and he would torture these women. And a lot of the times they ended up torturing themselves uh, per his request because they were brainwashed. And as I watched the documentary, though, they do a really good job of of allowing you to understand the mindset and how someone gets to that point. And it's not that these are stupid people. A lot of these members are very well-educated, professional people. And plus, I actually know, uh, personally know some people involved in Nexium. So I think of it this way. A lot of these rich, successful, like trust fund babies or famous stars, they're lonely and they're really not satisfied. And even though they have all the material possessions in the world, I mean, Nexium really appealed to like the seekers of the world who always wanted more. And Nexium could be a way for them to unlock their full potential. Like that was the key you needed, you know? And even if you weren't fully successful or you were on the come up, if you're an actress or someone who wants to, you know, break into the entertainment industry, Nexium claimed it would help you achieve success. They would, you know, connect you with the right people. You can get ahead in life. You could meet producers and agents and publicists, directors, it could open doors for you. 
All right, confession time. <laughs> little low down confession for you. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm a member of Nexium. I'm a member of the Nexium cult. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not a member of Nexium, thank God. But I did go to a Nexium event. I went with my client. It was years ago. I'm embarrassed to say it, but you know what? I think it was about like 10 years ago. But I remember my client, she called and she's like, there's this party happening. It's in a gorgeous mansion. It's in Malibu. It's going to be ocean views, live music, open bar, good food. And she said, you know, Lo, it could be a great opportunity for you to network, perhaps meet someone, make a client or two. And uh, I think I was like 20 or 21 at the time. And, and I was like, yeah, you had me at open bar. <laughs> like, What time do you want me to be there? Uh, so I ended up going to the event and I had a great time. It was actually really fun. I remember this really good looking guy and he was talking to me the whole night and he gave me his business card and he's like, hey, if you're ever interested in going to one of our chapter meetings, you know, uh, here's my card and we have the Beverly Hills chapter and you can come and meet with us there. Let me know. And my client had already told me how much money she was spending to go to these meetings. And even though she's like, I'm spending a lot of money, but it's so worth it, low, and you should definitely consider it. But as soon as I heard the price, I was over it. I was honest with her and I was like, uh, thank you for the invite, puta, but you know, I just came here for the free drinks and the sushi bar. You know, I love an open bar situation. I was 21 at the time, broke as a joke. I'm not about to spend like $3,000 to sit in a Nexium class. You're like, no way. Like, sit with a bunch of rich ass, random white people in a Beverly Hills home trying to unlock their potential. Uh, mm -mm. No, no, I'm going to pass on that one. But I don't think I'm really an ideal candidate for Nexium because I wasn't rich. I didn't have the money to spend on that. And uh, and I asked too many questions. I was kind of irritating them, too. Like, I challenge everything and I'm just so damn skeptical. I've always been very skeptical of everything. So, yeah. Uh, Nexium didn't want me. <laughs> Come to think of it, speaking of cults, even Scientology, I remember. <laughs> Confession number two. I went to a Scientology meeting because, okay, so a friend of mine, he really wanted me to go and he kept bothering me about it. And I, he told me like five different times, asked me like, hey, will you go? Are you free this day? Are you free that day? And finally, after him bothering me about it, I was like, fine, I'll go to the Scientology meeting it was at the uh, Hollywood Celebrity Center. And so I went with them and right away, I was like, this is weird. I just felt off about the whole thing. So they did this e-meter test. The auditor did that. So he made me sit down and you hold these cans and, and he asked me all these personal questions. And I mean, he was asking me about like past trauma I've had, some of my biggest fears, what I hope for in my career. I just started making shit up. <laughs> I just was like... Uh, I told him I was an orphan. I said my mom and dad are in prison and uh, the my mom's addicted to heroin and my dad's serving time for murder. And uh, I just really made up this story of, of a lot of hardship. I was just basically making shit up. And uh, the crazy thing is Scientology didn't even want me. Like they're known for, they'll keep hounding you and like contacting you. But uh, yeah, they didn't contact me. I was actually kind of offended. Like a little, like what the hell? I think I irritated my auditor because I just kept asking too many questions. Plus, I think he could tell I was lying because uh, I'm I'm not a good liar. <laughs> so, yeah, they didn't end up hounding me and uh, I didn't end up being a part of Scientology. I guess I'm just not Scientology material. I'm not Nexium material. Anyway, back to the whole Nexium cult thing. It definitely reminded me of Firefest. Do you guys remember that story? There were models like Kendall Jenner and Gigi Hadid and they were used in these promotional images for 
for Firefest. And they claimed it was, you know, the incredible music festival on an island. You'd have luxurious rooms, the finest cuisine. It was the best music. Hundreds of people showed up and it ended up just being no running water, bologna sandwiches with flies on them. It was a complete disaster, complete bullshit, total scam. And that's what I think about Nexium. It's like the Firefest of cults. Now, if anybody doubted Keith Rainier or challenged him or tried to call him out, I mean, of course, there were people, this happened for years, but there were people down the line that started to research and they discovered, you know, this uh, brilliant, godlike figure. He didn't have all these accomplishments. He wasn't this incredible concert pianist and everything he claimed to have, it was basically a lie. But if anyone tried to tarnish Keith Rainier's name or Nexium's image, the Bronfman billionaire bitches, they lawyered up. They could afford the best of the best lawyers and they would serve you with a defamation of character lawsuit. They would send a gag order your way. They were issuing lawsuits left and right, shutting up anybody that challenged them across the board. I mean, and they would threaten to come out publicly against them. So, I mean, if you're just a, a normal person, you know, and accusing someone of of these crimes and then you're getting served with a major lawsuit from like one of the top lawyers in New York, you'll back down. A lot of people did for years. Anyway, it's just the whole thing is just insane. I'm, I'm glad it got all busted up and people are fully aware, but it was because of amazing investigative reporting, a great journalist, uh, these phenomenal interviews with the past members, and they were so open and vulnerable, which, I mean, it's kind of intense to do that. I They've been through so much. But anyway, it's worth the watch. And I, I definitely told you guys a lot about Nexium, but there's still so much more that went down. I'm going to do an episode just on sex cults. We got to do that. But anyway, this was a fantastic documentary. I'm going to give Seduce on Stars a solid 9 out of 10 rating. And uh, The Vow on Netflix, that's going to get an 8 out of 10 for me. These documentaries are definitely worth the watch and are officially low life for approved. All right, so I'm saving the best for last. It's what you've all been waiting for. It's time to jump right on into the Selena series on Netflix. Hit it. Ooh, I'm excited for this one. You putas were sliding into the DMs. So many of you asked me, what do you think of the Selena series? What are your thoughts? We want to hear a review. Let us know what you think, Lo. I love when you guys slide into the DMs and request topics for the Lo show. And this was definitely a very requested topic for the low lifers. You guys definitely want to know how I feel about the Selena series on Netflix. And I was very excited for this one to come out. Couldn't wait to watch it. And as you know, I mean, I post about Selena all the time on my Instagram stories. I love her music videos. And my love for Selena started when I was a little boy. My God, I remember getting my first cassette tape from my Nana. I was all of five years old. And my Nana got me the Amor Prohibido cassette tape, and I played the hell out of it. I was obsessed. I've been obsessed with Selena ever since. I literally wanted to be Selena. To this day, I still want to be Selena. She's the best. And Selena's music holds such a special place in my heart for so many reasons. I mean, she's inspired me tremendously in my career. Her fashion sense, her music, it's just the best. But growing up as a kid... My Nana loved Selena. My mom loved her too. The music was a constant. I loved dancing in the kitchen. I, I have such vivid memories being a kid, watching my mom cook in the kitchen and playing Selena always was in the background. And we'd be cumbia dancing together and Tejano music was always playing. And Selena specifically, 
a huge deal in our house because, well, my, my mom's side of the family is from Brownsville, Texas. Selena Quintanilla is from Corpus Christi, Texas. And that alone, plus the fact that she's Mexican-American, it was like, all right, Selena is the shit up in this house. We love her. Selena is revered everywhere in the world, but in Texas, I mean, that's the home turf. She's like the patron saint of Texas. People love her so much there. So needless to say, her music, I just associate it with a feeling of family. I just feel always so happy whenever I hear her music. That's probably why it's like my comfort zone whenever I play her stuff. And I've been playing it ever since I was five years old. And I'm not alone in that sentiment. I mean, there are millions of people who share the same feelings about Selena and are just as inspired as I am by her. And if you're a child of the 90s and you grew up in a Hispanic household or a Latin household, there's a 99.9% chance Selena was on repeat up in that house. I mean, she was such a staple, like the music was always being played. She's a superstar, which is why I couldn't wait for the series to come out. I was so freaking excited to watch it. So for many of you, you know about Selena through the 1997 classic movie, Selena, starring Jennifer Lopez. She did a great job in that role. I loved it. And it's one of my favorite movies to this day. Top 10 for me. If you haven't seen it, oh my God, bless your ears, heart, and soul with this film. It, it's so good. I was so happy that J-Lo played that role because one, she had an uncanny resemblance to Selena. But two, she because of the success of that film, I mean, it was a blockbuster hit. And it really introduced Selena into the home, minds, and hearts of millions of people, Americans specifically, and a lot of people in different countries who had no idea who Selena was until that movie came out. So that was pretty cool uh, because it, it got people familiarized with this incredible talent. I mean, it's so sad that she tragically had to die, but Selena and the way she died, it just, it left such a huge hole in the world of, of Latin music. And I mean, to this day, people are still so bummed about it. It just sucks. It's been tw over 23 years and it's still, it still hurts. It still stings. And I, I mean, I can't wait for Yolanda Saldivar to die. That's the woman who shot Selena in the back, her fan, the president of her fan club. And I know that sounds terrible to say, like, Lo, how could you say you can't wait for someone to die? But you know what? I don't take it back for nothing. I, I will celebrate and pop some champagne because that woman killed this iconic, beautiful queen, this beautiful soul with so much talent and love to give. And she had so much more to do in this world and took her life. She was only 23 years old and denies it to this day. I mean, I look at Yolanda Saldivar like evil in human form. So ugh, I can't with her. But I'm so happy that Selena's story gets to be shared with the new generation. And this Netflix series looked very promising to me. I was even more excited when I found out the Quintanilla family was behind it. So uh, Suzette Quintanilla, which is Selena's sister, is an executive producer on the Netflix series. So I was like, oh, that's great. And Abraham Quintanilla was an executive producer on the Selena movie, which we all know that was a huge hit. So I was happy about that. And I was like, okay, that's positive. Like, because I know there's a lot of pressure for the series to be good. And I'm like, damn, the shoes are so big to fill. Like, as an actor, I'd be so intimidated to take on a role like this. I'm like, holy shit. Because you're not going to make everyone happy. There's just no way. Just to give perspective, when Selena was shot, it sent such shockwaves through the Latin world of music. It was, oh, it was just terrible. It was the freaking worst. And 
to give you a little comparative example, it'd be like Ariana Grande in her prime. And she has her little Arianators, which I think that's what her fans are called. But if Ariana Grande was just shot in the back by one of her fans in her prime, which is now like, holy shit, that would just send shockwaves through the world, you know? And that's the magnitude that people felt for when Selena was shot. You know, she was only 23 and had her life taken away from her so abruptly. And it's like over something so stupid, too. It was like the fan, the president of her fan club was embezzling funds. But anyway, outside of the the Selena movie, I don't think people realize the magnitude of Selena and the woman that she was. And I think this series would be a great opportunity to show people that. The movie did to an extent. But uh, back to the Quintanilla family being producers, the upside was if the family is involved in the series, then the music could be used. So I was like, that's awesome, because then you could get original Selena music. And I mean, she had such an incredible voice, some pipes on her. So I'm like, that would really suck if, you know, Christian Serratos, that's the actress playing Selena in the series. Like if she had to be the singer, like, mm, that's rough. You know, like, can you imagine if they did the Selena movie and they didn't get approval from the Quintanilla family for vocals to use Selena's voice in the movie? Like, oh, that would have been a disaster. I saw a movie. It was a Whitney Houston movie. I don't know if it was a Lifetime one. I'm trying to remember, but the Houston family did not sign off on that. And the actress had to sing and it was ugh, brutal. And, you know, for Jennifer Lopez, I love that she played the role. I think she did a phenomenal job playing the role of Selena. Uncanny resemblance, almost identical measurements, too, which is crazy to the actual Selena singer. Outside of the uncanny resemblance and the great performance, J-Lo can't sing. She doesn't have pipes on her. Like, she's not known as being a great singer. I actually think she's a terrible singer, to be honest. And uh, so if she had to sing the songs, like, it wouldn't have catapulted her career. It would, probably would have ended her career. But um, yeah, she didn't have to sing. So that's great. Uh, and she did a great performance. And, you know, no shade to J-Lo. I think she's a fantastic dancer and entertainer. And she has great skin. And I love that she's, you know, doesn't drink alcohol. Good for her. It's a tough thing to give up the juice, you know. But, you know, she she definitely wants to take care of her health. And that's good for her. But But she can't sing. So. And sometimes I'll hear J-Lo do like tributes to Selena. Like she did one at the Latin Grammys. Oh, it was like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, J-Lo, stop, please. It's so bad. Oh, my God. Because, I mean, Selena's voice, it's like, you can't. You can't do that, J-Lo. It's like if you want to cover I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Like, that's tough. <laughs> Good freaking luck doing that one. So anyway, I'm glad that the Kentania approved uh, using the music for for this series as well. So I don't have to hear Christian Serrato's Butcher, a Selena song. So that was already a positive note. But let's get into the actual series and what I thought. I watched it in its entirety. All right. I have to say, a little disappointed. I don't. Oh God. I'm not going to be as nitpicky as other people are. I mean, some fans... Uh, and reviews came out freaking swinging hard at this one. But I'm not going to be nitpicky. Like, for example, with the casting, a lot of people were upset that Christian Serratos was cast as Selena for the series. I don't have an issue with that. I think she's a beautiful actress. I think she's super talented. And I mean, all the casting, I think, was actually very smart. 
people are upset, but there's always going to be something that pisses someone off, especially when you're dealing with such an iconic, legendary figure that's so respected and loved and worshipped by millions of people. Like, good luck winning everybody over. It's just not going to happen. I mean, even when J-Lo was casted as Selena, which I thought was amazing casting, I mean, she looked just like her. There were still people in the Latin community that were pissed. I mean, to this day, people are still like, screw you, J-Lo. <laughs> like, people still are not happy. And they're not happy because Jennifer Lopez is uh, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, and Selena is a Mexican-American. So they looked at it like you got a Latin actress, but you got the wrong kind of Latin. So, and I'm like, okay, I don't care if J-Lo was Cuban, uh, Portuguese. I wouldn't even care if she was white. Well, that would be weird. She, I, she has to be of, of some sort of Latin descent to play Selena. But but I don't care what version of Latin it is or Hispanic. Like, it's cool for me. So I'm not nitpicky in that way, but people can be. So with uh, Christian Serratos, they didn't like, I've read a few reviews and some people were upset that she doesn't have the same body type as Selena. And Selena was celebrated as a, a curvaceous Latina she had curves and, you know, she celebrated her body and, you know, she's very proud of it. Christian Serratos can too. She's just a, a tinier person, you know, a skinnier build. I don't think that's a bad thing. Anyway, I'm not nitpicky about that stuff. She's a great actress and, you know, we'll just go with that. And she looked a lot like Selena too. You know, they did the, the makeup and everything and, and they pretty much nailed that. One thing I'm not a big fan of is the perspective of the way the story is told. It's more through the lens of Abraham Quintanilla, her father, which mm, I don't love that because I don't care about Abraham Quintanilla. I mean, I'm glad he raised Selena and, you know, he has a little legend daughter on his hands. But but this was an opportunity for the fans to to get more of Selena. And you can really go into depth with her character. That's what I felt like they were going to be able to do with this one. They could really tell the story of Selena and the woman that she is. And there are so many different facets to her personality. She was super goofy. She was very philanthropic. She loved to give back. You know, uh, she was proud to be Mexican-American. I thought they could have done a deep dive into her as a kid, her teen years, and who she was. And, and really dive into her personality and tell the story through her lens. I mean, the series is called Selena the series. So it's weird that it's more so told through the lens of Abraham Quintanilla. So in my opinion, I'm like, why even call it Selena the series? Like, they should have called it like, I don't know, like La Familia de Selena or Keeping Up with the Quintanillas. Yeah, Keeping Up with the Quintanillas would have been a way better name for this series. But then again, nobody would be watching it because Selena is the draw-in. People want to watch a show about Selena not Abraham Quintanilla or his his story. No one cares about that. That's kind of a buzzkill. It wasn't enough of Selena. You give the series that name, but I almost feel like it was a bait and switch. Like you're using the name just to get people, you know, to to watch it. And they came out strong. Selena fans, I mean, that show was trending top 10 very quickly. The first night it came out and the first week, but I think people, once it came out, they kind of realized like, oh, it's not what we hoped for. And then it quickly fell off the charts where other shows like Queen's Gammon and there's a whole bunch of others that have been on the charts, you know, for months. Like, what's it called? Joe Exotic, like Tiger King was up on the top 10 for, I don't know, the first five months of the pandemic. So, yeah, Selena, uh, 
they shouldn't have called it the Selena, the series. They should have called it, yeah, keeping it with the Quintanillas or Abraham story or something other than that. All right. My next little issue with the Selena series on Netflix, I just got to say it feels a little bit cheesy, a little like a Lifetime movie. It's not my favorite. I think that's more of an issue with the script. The casting is great. I know all of those actors are really talented and great at what they do, but you can only do so much. And I think it's more of an issue with the script. And Christian Serratos, I watched her in Walking Dead, and she's a great actress. But in this one, I don't even think she really gets to shine like she's fully capable of doing as an actress because of the script writing. Again, it's it's a little cheesy. The costumes are fantastic, though. Whoever did the costume design for this series, like, killing it. They're so authentic, right on the money. And I feel like I'm a Selena historian when it comes to clothing that she wore. I have hundreds of mood boards of Selena Quintanilla's wardrobe. And I've been, again, like super inspired by her fashion taste as well. And I mean, I don't think people realize this, but Selena Quintanilla, and you'll know in the series, they touch on it, which I was happy they did that. But she was an incredible fashion designer. She had such a creative mind, was so ahead of her time, and was very innovative in the way she thought when it came to performance attire. And, you know, she had two boutiques, a clothing boutique. She had her own fashion label, her own collection. And, you know, she was, again, super talented in that department. So they kind of touch on it in the series, which is great. The costumes were awesome. But then they ruin it because the wigs, oh, the wigs, come on. You spend all this money on great costumes. You know you've got a great budget for this series. And then you throw on these shitty party city looking wigs. Like, like artificial hair, like, come on, it's acrylic. I was really bummed about that. I couldn't get past some of them cheesy wigs. Oh, especially when they did like Selena's like 80s, 90s, like when she had curly hair. It looked like like a poodle cut. And it was, again, such a bad wig. It's distracting. It distracts me from the show. The other thing I don't love about the Selena series, it's a little too slow for my liking. I should go into each episode, like ending it being so excited for the next one, or at least like hoping that I want to watch the next one. But I don't feel that. I don't. And it was hard because I watched this after I saw The Queen's Gambit. And I'm like, okay, Queen's Gambit got me for seven hours. And it was all about chess. And they were able to keep me engaged. I was glued to the TV. And with Selena, who I'm obsessed with, already love, I would watch anything regarding Selena. And it was really hard to keep my focus. I mean, I do have the attention span of a squirrel, but I was wanting to be super engaged in the show, but it just moves slow, too slow for my liking. So if you saw the Selena movie, the 1997 film, the first like 45 minutes to an hour was Selena's early life, like her growing up as a little girl and her teenage years and all of that. This show took that like 35, 40 minutes and just picture that but like prolonged into seven episodes. I think it's seven episodes total. And each episode's about 35 to 45 minutes. It was too much, too long. And I wasn't excited, like looking forward to the next episode. And I don't know, I wasn't loving that, but I definitely finished the whole series because, you know, I want to give the low lifers what they want and I want to do a proper review and make sure I watch the whole thing. But it was actually really tough for me to get to the finish line because I'm like, oh, it's cheesy. The wigs are bad and it's slow and the script writing sucks. And oh, and Abraham Quintanilla, it's his perspective. What the hell's going on? <laughs> so, anyway, all in all, I have to say, I got through it. There were some things I enjoyed. And I will say, I love that 
that they are introducing Selena Quintanilla to a new generation of people. And I was at Starbucks the other day and I saw this 12 year old girl and she's wearing a Selena Quintanilla t-shirt. And I was like, Oh, like, I love your shirt. Look at you. And she's like, Oh yeah. I started watching the show Selena and I had no idea who she was, but like now I'm obsessed with her music. And I was like, like that made me feel so happy. I thought, wow, that's really cool that this series is introducing a whole new generation to this incredible force of nature, Selena. Like, that's awesome that she gets familiarized with with her music. So that's a plus side to it. So I can't hate on the series completely. They did a great job with casting. I love that they're, again, introducing the world to Selena again. That's awesome. The costuming is great. So, you know, it's worth it in the sense if you want to see, you know, some of Selena's outfits or you can just Google them. So all in all, I'm going to give this series a five out of 10 rating. You know, the music is great because it's the original music. But other than that, you know, I'm going to have to say it's a pass for me. And this one is not low lifer approved. Oops. Sorry. Not sorry. Moving on, if you want, you know, to get your Selena fix, there's some great documentaries online. And also just watch the freaking Selena movie. And I think that's how you can get your Selena fix that way. You know, that's what I'm going to do, at least. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode of The Low Show. I'm so happy we get to go into the new year together. We've built this little community, a little pod fam, and I'm very thankful for it. And I love hearing from you guys. So you could follow me on Instagram at stylelvr. That's S-T-Y-L-E-L-V-R. I got a little treat for you guys for the new year. I'm going to be launching a meme page. So many of you have messaged me saying, Lo, I love your Instagram stories, but I want to post them or repost them. Like, how do we save these stories without screen recording every time? I'm opening up the meme page. I've had a private account for years and I'm opening up that private account to the world Low lifers are getting the exclusive. And yeah, I'm going to be dropping that meme account very soon, actually next week. So I'll keep you guys informed with that. And it's going to have a cute little name and everything. But I'll also do podcast updates and everything on that account. But again, thank you for following and subscribing and rating and and leaving a five-star review. It helps so much. And I say it every time, but it's because it's so important. It's, it's literally the only reason why I could do the podcast is if you leave a comment and you rate and subscribe. So it, Thank you. Thank you for doing that. It means a lot. And I, again, appreciate you taking the time to do that. And uh, yeah, it keeps this little shit show afloat. Next week, I have a very special guest coming up. I got Kate Casey. I love her podcast. It's called Reality Life with Kate Casey. And she is a crime junkie. She is a reality TV queen. She watches every show. She is hilarious, smart, and gifted in the world of podcasting. And I was so excited to have her as a guest. I also ended up doing her show as well. So Kate Casey comes on next week. But until then, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Go have some edibles, maybe binge watch a good show over the weekend. If you haven't seen The Queen's Gambit or Bridgerton or one of those, there's some good TV happening right now. Go binge watch a show. And don't forget to drink your water, putas, because I know you're thirsty. I love you and I'm out. (laughs) 